Welcome to Healthy Vision Talk Radio, the podcast for people in search of a physician with alternative solutions for their eye problems. From the best-selling, award-winning, world's-only homeopathic ophthalmologist, here's your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat. Okay, welcome to Healthy Vision. This is your host, uh, Dr. Edward Kondrat. We have a really important segment for you. We're going to be talking about Saving homeopathy. Homeopathy is one of the most important alternatives, medical. I really shouldn't say it's an alternative. I think homeopathy is so profound it should be considered as a first-line treatment in many cases. And with me this evening, we have uh, three esteemed homeopaths. Uh, We have Dr. Ron Duskin, who is the current president of the American Institute of Homeopathy. We have Dr. Ron Whitmont who's the past president of the American Institute of Homeopathy. And we have Iris Bell, who is a doctor, a researcher out of the University of Arizona. So uh, welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining me on Healthy Vision. So um, let me see. uh, Iris, are are you there? Yes, I am. Great. I think why don't we begin uh, the show? I just don't want to get right into the problems that we're facing with homeopathy. I want to begin by talking about uh, how important homeopathy is for you. You're, you're a medical doctor, just like myself, and we were trained in conventional Western medicine, and then we discovered homeopathy as a, an important alternative treatment that are really, truly helping our patients. I like to tell my patients that, you know, with homeopathy, Homeopathy gives an individual the best chance for a cure. It seems like most of traditional Western medicine is just maintaining disease. So I wonder if you could share with us why you are passionate with homeopathy and why it's important that homeopathy continues to exist in its present form. Well, sure, and thanks for including me in this panel. I... uh first learned about homeopathy my first year in medical school at Stanford, uh, where uh, an, an older classman who was very enthusiastic about the field came running into the student lounge and insisted I come in here and talk about it. When I heard the doctor uh, describing homeopathy, and he, like um, most of us, was an, a regularly trained MD who had uh, discovered the field when he found limitations to conventional care. He was, I, I began to recognize that it was a whole system of care that was capable of healing people with very minimal adverse effects in, in the general sense. And I became interested enough to start trying to use it in a summer job that I had with an, uh, an allergist in the community. And I saw some remarkable effects from really the first time I, I even tried to use it was in this allergist office. This woman had come in with a horrific headache. She usually left the office getting a very high-potency opiate drug like Demerol. And what happened after I gave her this acute remedy was that the headache went away. It was a very dramatic uh, response in a fairly short period of time. And so since then, although I've personally mostly done research on homeopathy from 
clinical studies on fibromyalgia, which I know you're familiar with, um, where we demonstrated that it could benefit people with fibromyalgia without using conventional drugs and risking side effects. And I've done more recently some work on what's in these things because I'm sure we'll get into the controversies. And along the way, in recent years, I've been using it uh, very consistently with family and friends, including my own family pets. And the, the, the effects have just been dramatic. So I, I find that homeopathy for me uh, is a very compelling way to treat people without risking side effects. All right, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. And um, so I guess you heard Iris uh, talk about why she went into homeopathy and why homeopathy is an important part of our, her medical practice. So I wonder if you could share with us why a traditionally trained medical doctor like yourself is embracing homeopathy and has a passion for it. Sure. Thanks. I want to thank Iris for sharing her story, first of all. I love hearing how people who are in conventional training decide to step outside of it. When I was in medical school, I became interested in mind-body medicine in the, in the mid-1970s. And I looked at conventional medicine, and it wasn't treating people. That was always my desire of going into medicine, was to help the person. And all we were doing were treating diseases. And each person ends up being a specialist for your right ear, one for your left ear, one for your right elbow, one for your left elbow. And we kept breaking people to smaller and smaller pieces and missing the wholeness of who the person was. When I got into some biofeedback training, I noticed that there was a tremendous amount of self-regulatory ability in the body. I ended up being a rural country doctor for a few years, and it just showed me that I just couldn't keep prescribing drugs. It just was so unsatisfying. So a friend of mine introduced me to homeopathy, and philosophically it worked for me even before I knew how to do it. Because it begins with the belief that inside of each person is an innate healing ability. And if we can find something that will stimulate that person to heal his or herself, I'm in. And that, so that's what happened. And like Iris, my first response was treating someone acutely for poison ivy. Usually this treatment would have been steroids. And I said, no, let's try this homeopathic medicine. And the person responded in 24 hours. And I said, I need to know more about this. And that's what I've been doing for the last 30-plus years, watching people get better, not just having symptoms go away. And particularly with children, it's just, uh, to watch a child stop having ADD or have it to, to watch an autistic child who has no emotional connection to his parents begin to open up to bond with them, words can't even come close to the satisfying feeling I have in seeing that happen. Well, how much more, how much more do you want to thank know? You. So, thank you so much for your passion uh, with homeopathy, and also congratulations on becoming the next president of the American Institute of Homeopathy. The American thank you. Institute the votes are not in yet, so it's a little premature, but I think it's going to happen. Well, I'm voting for you. And oh, thank you. <laughs> but uh, uh, the American Institute of Homeopathy is a medical organization was, that was founded several years uh, before the American Medical Association. So we're a much older organization than the 
AMA. Uh, I'd like to share my story. Oh, please. Homeopathy cured me of my adult-onset asthma. I was an extremely busy surgeon, and I thought there wasn't any eye disease that I couldn't cut the eyeball and put it back together again. And I always had some interest in nutrition and, you know, maintaining the health of the body. But I was struck with severe adult-onset asthma, almost died twice. Oh, my goodness. Medication, which causes severe tremor. You can't be a good eye surgeon with a tremor. And I wanted my old lungs back. I was a marathon runner, a triathlete. I had no underlying cause for asthma. And one homeopathic remedy cured me of my asthma when my colleagues that were pulmonary specialists told me that there is no cure for adult onset asthma. Take your medication. Essentially, they were just maintaining disease. And I, and I know that the homeopathy wasn't a placebo effect because it was the third remedy that cured my asthma. The first remedy mm-hmm. that I took did very little. Second remedy maybe got maybe a 10 or 20% reduction. But when I took that third remedy, wow, it was uh, the asthma just disappeared. My mental and emotional state changed. And then I said, i got to investigate this. <laughs> I think they teach us this in medical school. And you're going to enjoy this one. I, my medical school is Hahnemann Medical College. You know, one time oh, wow. it was premier homeopathic college. So I, uh, when I was studying homeopathy and got my certificate, I was just never so passionate because it's like, my goodness, I'm finally learning what true healing is all about, you know, treating the person and, you know, addressing the underlying cause, uh, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, and you see just so, such profound healing. And I just think it's really unfortunate that homeopathy is being attacked. And later on, we're going to be talking about the issues. Uh, we're coming up to a break right now. So when we come back, um, let's have uh, Ron Whitman. Ron Whitman has been very much involved with uh, this these issues with the FDA. And so we come back from break, we're going to be talking about how you as a listener can participate in our cause to help win this battle, to help make certain that homeopathy remains a viable alternative for all the folks out there who want to really restore your, your health. So we'll be right back after this break. your host, Dr. Overcondrat, and tonight we're trying to save homeopathy. So, Ron, can you call back on one of the lines? Uh, when you do come on the show, I want you to share with us the reason why you went into homeopathy, and, and then maybe we can begin to talk about the issues with the uh, compliance policy that the FDA is interested in rescinding. So, while we're waiting for him, I would... Because he knows the ins and outs of what's going on with the FDA and such. I would like to piggyback onto something you said just for a moment. Okay. Because one of the things you mentioned, and, and most, many people may not understand this, homeopathy is very individualized. For example, if we're talking about someone who has a headache, 
in conventional medicine, it's either a tumor, a migraine, or a tension headache, and everyone gets treated the same way. Homeopathy recognizes that each one of us is an individual. We, we know that from our siblings, our parents, our, our, our spouses, our children. So the goal of homeopathy is to find what's the right natural medicine, what's the right remedy for that particular person. For example, someone could have a left-sided headache or right-sided headache. Someone could be um, someone who is more comfortable in the cold temperature. Someone else is more comfortable in the warm temperature. Someone else might prefer really salty foods. Someone else might provide really sweet foods. That's just some simple examples. It's individualized for the person, not just everyone getting treated the same way for their diagnosis. Yeah, that's a very good point. I always tell my patients, uh, if I see 100 people with macular degeneration, each one will probably need a different homeopathic remedy because we're treating the person, not the disease. We're treating the, person the underlying the condition, disturbance. Not just the disease. Yeah. Yeah, so... I, I, want, know, I want to people, emphasize that point because if people are new to homeopathy, they may not understand how individual the treatment is. Yeah, very often... The, Somebody will ask me, well, what's a good homeopathic remedy for glaucoma? Or what can I use for my dry eyes? Well, we don't have the, the drug du jour like traditional right. medicine has. In traditional medicine, they'll start everybody with high blood pressure on this medicine. If it doesn't work, then they'll put them on another medication. Or maybe they'll have two or three medications. Homeopathy doesn't work that way. Right. And homeopathy, our goal is to cure the person of the disease. So when I have somebody with uh, an eye problem, my goal is to cure it. And homeopathy, right. I think, affords uh, them the best opportunity. I actually wanted to uh, add something on the scientific side to when we talk about how homeopathy um, addresses the mental, emotional, and physical integration of each of us as an individual. Mm. And in, in modern science, that actually ties in with the knowledge that the human body is actually a complex adaptive system. And that's a, a fancy term for saying that everything is interconnected and, and affects other things. So it, that's why homeopathy is a much better approach for helping to treat you so that you don't suppress symptoms in one body part with a drug that's very focused on one body part and then discover that you've pushed the disease process over into some other body part. You know, a horrible example in conventional medicine these days are things like some of the drugs that are used to treat um, arthritis or skin conditions or whatever. They may clear up the immediate symptoms, and one of the side effect risks is literally developing certain cancers because the mechanism by which they work suppresses the natural mechanisms by which the body defends itself against cancer cell growth. So what's nice about homeopathy is it doesn't, it doesn't work like a conventional drug. It literally uses the body's natural interconnectedness to make things happen. Okay, well, we're waiting for Dr. Ron Whitman to come on the line. He's been very active with this compliance policy that the FDA has rescinded. And just a brief background about the compliance policy. This has existed for over 25 years, and it has been an extremely good tool 
in terms of protecting the consumer, uh, setting up guidelines for manufacturers and for advertising. Now, if the FDA rescinds this policy, the danger is that homeopathy may be put in the same category as traditional petropharmaceutical medications. And unfortunately, homeopathy can't be put into standards because, once again, we just don't treat a disease. So when a drug company does a study on a drug, they'll take 100 people with hypertension and see if the drug is effective. And if it lowers the pressure and it has very few side effects, it'll be approved. So with homeopathy, if you take 100 people with high blood pressure, each one of them may require a different homeopathic remedy. It's just very, very difficult to study. I know, Iris, if you're still on the line, I was involved with your fibromyalgia study, and it was a nightmare for a homeopath because we uh, there were two homeopaths that, that evaluated the case. We both had it to be in agreement with the homeopathic remedy, and then we weren't certain whether the patient got the active homeopathic ingredient or the placebo. And we had to follow the patient for six months, and we weren't sure whether they were getting an active ingredient or not. So it can be very, very confusing, and unfortunately, homeopathy doesn't fall into the same research categories. Although there have been well over 100 well-published articles demonstrating the effectiveness of homeopathy, including an article that was the lead article in the Journal of Pediatrics, which showed that uh, homeopathy was very effective in treating childhood diarrhea. Um, right. yeah, I, I just wanted to um, d discuss a little bit about what you just said about the fibromyalgia study because it, w it is very challenging for a homeopath to do individualized care in a double-blind study. But one of the complaints or criticisms about homeopathy by skeptics has been, well, look, this is just placebo effect. Well, in the fibromyalgia study, as in many other studies that have been done, we used placebos. The people were blinded. The homeopaths were blinded as to who was getting what. And nevertheless, at the end of the study, when we broke the blind and looked at who got what, it turned out that the people who had gotten their individualized remedy during the course of the study had done much better with much greater improvement in their global overall health as well as in their joint symptoms. That, that's, again, an example of how the whole body can respond to homeopathy, whereas if you're taking a conventional drug, you're really focused on just that one body part, and side effects are more likely. So, again, um, I just wanted to say that you can do placebo-controlled research. It is very challenging for everyone involved with homeopathy. Well, we're coming up, uh, Dr. Bell, we're coming up to another break, and hopefully we come sure. back. Dr. Ron Whitman will be with us to go over in more detail how you can help fight this battle to preserve the practice of homeopathy. We'll be right back after this break. To Healthy Vision. This is your host, Dr. Edward Conrad, and this evening we're trying to save homeopathy. And we're waiting for Dr. Ron Whitman to call in, but unfortunately we're having some trouble with the telephone lines, but hopefully he'll be calling in shortly. But what can you do? Well, 
you can go to savehomeopathy.com. That's S-A-V-E, homeopathy, H-O-M-E-O-P-A-T-H-Y.com. And you will see some links that you can contact your state and local representative. Uh, There are some sample letters you can send. And this is all about keeping Compliance Policy 400.400. We want to keep Compliance Policy 400.400. It helped protect homeopathy for over 25 years, and we feel that it is essential that we maintain this policy. Maybe there could be some minor changes made in this policy, but there's no reason to completely rescind this policy and put homeopathic medications in the same category as traditional medicines. Uh, Iris, I don't know if you have any comments about uh, the the rescinding of this policy. Well, obviously, this is an enormous concern to me as um, a physician as well as a consumer. Um, I feel that, uh, as with many kinds of alternative therapies, uh, so they're called, the, the safety profiles are really so much better uh, that it's unfair to ask um, people who are uh, following the two, over 200-year-old traditions of the field uh, to suddenly have to do what a multi-billion-dollar drug company has to do in order to generate the, um, their medicines. Homeopathy, as you well know, uh, was developed actually by physicians who were dedicated to the field, uh, many of whom began as skeptics and then discovered that it was profoundly effective and um, moved on to develop the field in very practical ways. So much of the research that's been done in the whole field to advance it is really fairly recent. Probably the biggest breakthroughs have even occurred uh, outside of the clinical work, they probably occurred in the last uh, eight years or so. So we're talking about uh, a field that was developed uh, traditionally, just as herbal medicine developed traditionally, and has been out there in the world helping people uh, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, even their animals um, for, for hundreds of years at this point. And to lose it, to, to have so many restrictions is going to really drive down the ability of homeopathic manufacturers to uh, generate products. Uh, at this point, all of the ones that we as consumers um, would be using frequently, um, these are based on textbooks that have been available and formalized and standards for manufacture that have been formalized for years. So well, I, I just uh, don't see a reason. I think, I think it's interesting. In 1980, or 1897, excuse me, 1897, the homeopathic pharmacopoeia of the U.S. was established, and this is the homeopathic doctors wanted to regulate the manufacturing of homeopathic remedies. So this was established in 1897. And it was seven years later, 1906, that the FDA was developed. So the FDA came after uh, homeopathic doctors were kind of self-regulating themselves. Right. 
Yeah, and, you know, when you think about it, uh, homeopathy is also uh, a whole approach that's very different from conventional medicine in that once you set the healing in motion, as you know, you don't give another dose until the, the healing that the body accomplishes either plateaus or starts sliding backwards. So many times you can get a complete recovery uh, from an acute condition, especially with um, very limited treatment. You don't have to keep dosing a person or an animal. And um, this is, again, something where you want each dose to be reliable and standardized, and, and homeopathy has already accomplished that. And speaking of safety in homeopathy, I think homeopathy is probably the safest form of medical treatment that exists in the world. You know, there are over 100,000 deaths a year due to standard pharmaceutical drugs, over 100,000. And just the statistic that I think is really interesting, the World Health Organization has voted France as having the best healthcare system in the world. And 95% of French physicians incorporate homeopathic treatment in their practice, 95%. And it was voted the, the number one healthcare system in the world by the World Health Organization. So, you know, statistics speak for themselves. And I think it's going to be very, very unfortunate that if the laws are changed, and as you mentioned, that homeopathic remedies now have to be subject to the same standards as conventional drugs. And that will essentially destroy the whole homeopathic industry. So, folks, if you're listening, you can help. Help us save homeopathy. Go to www.savehomeopathy, all one word, savehomeopathy.com. We have some links. Contact your state and local representative. And uh, we got to take some action right now to save homeopathy. Uh, Iris, uh, maybe you could share with us, you're at the University of Arizona, and you're in charge of researching different alternative therapies, and maybe you could... Uh, get us up to date on some of the projects you're currently working on. Well, actually, I uh, retired officially from the University of Arizona, although I am still a research professor. Um, And uh, during the time that I was at the university, we had a very active and enthusiastic group of doctors and Ph.D. doctoral candidates who were doing research on all areas of alternative therapies. We not only were covering homeopathy, but uh, we also were looking at issues in acupuncture and massage, chiropractic, uh, herbal medicine, and so on. And the university has really expanded its base of training, both for physicians and nurses at this point. There's an entire renew uh, integrative medicine or integrative nursing program available there. Dr. Whitmont, thank you so much for joining. I guess we have a lot to talk about. Uh, We have about three or four minutes before we come to break. So before we come to break, I wonder if you could just share with us 
why you have a passion for homeopathy. Why uh, do you, as a medical doctor, love homeopathy? Uh, well, and my story is probably a little different from um, Iris and from Ron Dushkin, who you just interviewed. Uh, I was lucky enough to be born into a family where homeopathy was practiced as our uh, home religion. I was born and raised. Um, my father was a homeopathic physician and also an analytical psychologist, and uh I knew nothing but homeopathy from the day I was born in terms of medical care. So I came into it from the other side, but also the side of having direct experience of the benefits and the tremendous power of homeopathic medicines and how they can help with uh, so many different conditions. So I, I really saw it from a firsthand perspective and um, that was the introduction that was enough to convince me that when I decided to go to medical school, I knew it was to get a conventional background so that I could practice homeopathic medicine in the uh, most uh, comprehensive manner possible. Hello? During your, during your traditional medical training, it must have been extremely difficult for you to be subject to um, you know, theories and philosophies that just kind of went, went against your core belief? Um, it was, I would say you're accurate in, in um, saying that it was difficult, Ed. I think it's difficult for anyone in conventional training because the training is so rigorous. It can be extremely um, depersonalizing. Uh, but, um, yes, it, it, it was, it may have been harder for me knowing that uh, my goal was to practice uh, homeopathy ultimately. Um, uh, Dr. But, Whitman, um, we're coming up to a break. We're coming up to a break, so don't leave the show. When you come back, let's talk about the issues with the compliance policy 400-400 and how the listeners can help. So we'll be right back with Dr. Ron Whitman. Hey, welcome back. We want you to help us save homeopathy. So, uh, Dr. Whitmont, uh, please give us the details on the issues with the compliance policy 400.400 and how people can help. Uh, Ed, um, your listeners might be interested to know that the compliance policy guide or the CPG 400.400, that's a, a document that the FDA adopted back in 1988. Uh, it was adopted um, because there was a lot of confusion that existed uh, in the field about what could be sold as a homeopathic medicine and what had to be um, uh, how these products could be marketed. So uh, it's been an, it's been the major um, guide to uh, drug makers, homeopathic drug makers, to the public and to the FDA uh, since its inception in 1988. Um, in I'm sorry. In 2015, the FDA held a uh, public uh, meeting that uh, ran for two days uh, in Washington D.C., where they asked for input from the uh, community regarding the uh, the um, uh, oversight and management of the homeopathic community and the marketing of these medications. And they took uh, they solicited. Uh, contributions from all the homeopathic organizations and the American Institute of Homeopathy went there and presented information as did a, 
just about every other homeopathic organization in the United States, including the Association of um, Homeopathic Pharmacists. And it appears that the and, and then also the community made suggestions, which included about over a thousand, I believe it was on nine thousand different um, comments were made uh, and archived on the FDA site. Um, it does not appear that the FDA paid much attention to any of these comments because uh, in December of uh, 2017, they took action to rescind um, to, or to withdraw the compliance policy, the CPG 400.400, and replace it with some very loose um, guidelines that uh, go don't go nearly as far and essentially just identify uh, some areas that the uh, FDA is interested in um, looking at. In, in that new policy uh, guide, which is, is really just a, a guidance, um, they say they're going to be investigating products with uh, safety concerns uh, and products that contain ingredients associated with potentially uh, significant safety concerns uh, and some that are uh, given uh, by other routes of administration other than oral uh, and then a couple other uh, areas. It's very loose. It does not um, provide the manufacturers with clear guidance on how homeopathic medicines should be prepared or marketed, uh, and it appears to be um, a, a document that leaves much open to the interpretation of whoever is um, deciding to enforce this this guideline. So the so what are the, the, uh, what are the dangers that what are the dangers with uh, this new policy, or what are the dangers? That we are faced with. Well, there's a couple. Or there's a couple. There's a couple of dangers. Um, one, it does not provide the FDA with any powers that it didn't have already. So it's not as if the FDA is saying we want to have more control here. So we're we're that's why we're withdrawing um, CPG 400.400. It basically rescinds that uh, guidance and puts this in place. And the dangers are that. It does not specify how products can be marketed. So really anyone can market any product any way they see fit, which is the problem that initially led to the institution of this um, compliance policy guide. So it, it makes the, the field completely hazy again. It takes away um, it clear instructions that manufacturers uh, have been voluntarily following. Uh, up until this point, over the last 25 or so years. Uh, it also allows the it, – it, it can be interpreted um, very loosely in terms of what they're saying they're going to do is uh, it specifies quite clearly that uh, homeopathic medicines are illegal because they have not been approved by the FDA. And this new document basically says – that they will take action against um, any homeopathic medicine that also has problems with safety concerns uh, and uh, a number of, of different um, issues. It does not specify clearly how a manufacturer might um, prepare or market their product to avoid that kind of action. So it is uh, the type of guidance that is uh, could allow completely arbitrary uh, and um, kind of um, 
capricious action on behalf on on the side of the FDA, and that's concern to us. Yeah. So, in other words, um, there's going to be an issue with uh, marketing, with advertising, and we're not going to have the high standards that once existed in the homeopathic community. And I think correct, Dr. Iris Bell and Dr. Dushkin did emphasize that as homeopathic practitioners, when we prescribe a remedy, that we want to make certain that it is manufactured according to certain guidelines. And those guidelines did protect us uh, with the CP 400.400. So it's, it's interesting. It's kind of unusual that a group of doctors want uh, regulation. <laughs> we want this document to exist. It served us well for 25 years. And, and, and it also it? serves... It also uh, and it also serves to um, keep products out of the marketplace that might be combined nutritional and homeopathic or um, other other forms of adulterated products that are just trying to get onto the market because they do happen to have one homeopathic ingredient. Now, granted, it was. Um, it was a voluntary process of complying with the um, uh, the CPG 400 400. Uh, it was a voluntary process of complying even with the homeopathic uh, pharmacopoeia of the United States. But when a product was marketed under those uh, guidelines, and they would live, they would say these medicines are prepared according to HPUS or um, according to the FDA guidelines. That at least would tell you that there was some kind of quality control and that there was a responsible level of marketing. All right, so what can the consumer do? What can the listeners of this radio show do? Well, I think the most important thing that they can do is to um, express their concern uh, both to the FDA but also, and probably even more importantly, then um, contact in the FDA, which has a website and has a, a place where you can submit con uh, comments electronically, the most important thing um, listeners can do would be to write to their representatives, uh, their, their, their congressional representatives and their senators from their state and say, I'm concerned about this. I'd like you to look into this, and I'd like you to... Um, ask the FDA either not to give up the CPG 400.400 or to amend the new guidelines uh, to bring them up to code with what the CPG 400.400 previously um, specified and, and, and make additions to that if need be. But don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, and I have a convenient link. If you want to get that information, just go to savehomeopathy.com. That's S-A-V-E, homeopathy.com. And there'll be links to take you directly to the FDA's website to make a comment. There's also a link to help you uh, locate your local uh, state, uh, your state and local representative to, to write comments. Um, so we're, we're coming up to... A close, and maybe you want to address how to find a, a competent homeopathic doctor. I know the 
American Institute of Homeopathy is a group of physicians. Most of them uh, have uh, a very strong traditional medical training. I think everyone. And then they discovered homeopathy and are embracing homeopathy. Um, and what, what is the URL of our website? So the American, yeah, the American Institute of, Home, Institute of Homeopathy can be found online at www.homeopathyusa.com.org. Uh, homeopathyusa.org. And it's also important to note, Ed, that the AIH represents all licensed homeopaths, licensed practitioners who are homeopaths. So they're not only medical doctors, they're uh, MDs, they're, they're NDs or naturopaths. There are DOs, which are osteopaths. There are nurse practitioners. There are physician's assistants. There are dentists, dental surgeons. Uh, all these people um, or who are already licensed to practice medicine can practice homeopathy legally. Okay, well, we're coming up to a close. Uh, Dr. Whitman, I want to thank you so much for joining us and clarifying these issues. And folks that are listening out there, please go to savehomeopathy.com, savehomeopathy.com. Uh, express your opinion to the FDA, write to your senator and local representative. And I want to thank Dr. Iris Bell and Dr. Ron Dushkin for joining us also. And this is your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat, wishing everyone good health and clear vision. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you'd like to learn more about alternative eye treatments, access free reports, or subscribe to Dr. Kondrat's newsletter, visit us at HealingTheEye.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please write a review. We love hearing from listeners. To hear more episodes about alternative eye treatments, click subscribe and download all of our previous shows. We wish you good health and clear vision.